Phil. Phil's back. I'm back. Drinking my coffee. Starting this episode the same way as we did last week. Talking about coffee and talking about how I can drink that full fat coffee while you you have your little that decaf. pitiful decaf. Do, I, and, uh, I have just had two weeks of like real coffee though, so it's like back okay. in my system. I'm oh, way more back. anxious than normal. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been away. Yeah, you were away, and while you were away, like it's funny, man. I was manifesting shit last week. You were opening. Manifest I was manifesting destiny. stuff. Fucking. Let's go. Last week moves. I was talking about how I need somebody to cast me in a fucking movie as a monster, and it looks like that shit's gonna happen. Oh. I can't say too much more mm. to the listeners out there, but uh, you know, there is something happening in the works, and um, I might just get my wish to be a monster in a movie. And it seems yeah. like it might be pretty legit. So um, I'm pretty stoked. I'm excited. <laughs> I was telling you about it. Yeah. I know. I'm really excited to see that. And then we we talked for ages about your film as well. <clears throat> Phil's back. Oh, my God. I'm so back. Did they even notice? Because we recorded like 10 episodes in a week, it felt like, <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. before I left. We yeah. did like two big sessions. We had the uh, projection book to Dan. And then we did a session where we did like... Another two, I think. Yep. Speaking of that. Uh, yeah. Did we get any like response to user, that? User feedback before we even say, welcome to the Pod Charles <laughs> Cinecast. <laughs> presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective and the Prince Charles Cinema. This is your host, Jonathan Foster, and I am here today Ooh. with my super boy, little girl. Surfing in my little world. It's Phil. Hey, Phil. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Um, where were the Beach Boys in this movie, right? Yeah, like, seriously, man. Come maybe on. too on the nose, but like, right no, there. This is, this is 290s for the Beach Boys, man. Yeah, that like, but it's like, it's pre-grunge. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. Two, it's two nineties for Beach Boys, but pre grunge. Like it's this perfect little like <laughs> right we're gonna have between. rat on the soundtrack, and you're gonna fucking like it. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's that era, uh, that era for rat. Like you know what I mean, right? Like it's like yeah. like a year later, even Flow would have been on this bullshit. Oh yeah, like, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> fucking going through like like fucking tunnels like, or whatever they're fucking called. Uh, you know, tunnel, yeah. He's like, I caught yeah. my first tunnel this morning. Yeah, going through the tunnels, and there's just yeah. like fucking like even flow, better than Papa Hell. Yeah, Chris Jericho coming out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get some funny on this shit. Uh, God, we're so disjointed. You can tell it's been a couple weeks. Uh, welcome back, Phil. Um, Thank you. I was away. Ahead of myself, I did mm. say user feedback. So user feedback. We did have Finn, our greasy boy Finn, <laughs> reach out about the, the mucky uh, projection boy. episode. He said, I've been waiting for another projection episode for a long time. This is like fucking Christmas for my greasy little years. Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, good. <laughs> You're welcome. Good. You <laughs> are welcome. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad people liked it. I can tell Dan that because he, you know, he'd like us, he'd, uh, you know, anxious. <laughs> about oh i hope i came off okay you know i hope i didn't say anything stupid and i've 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 re-listened to that episode or at least some of it and it came off great i forgot how just different 
I don't want to say it's better, but the energy is very different when we're just recording in person. Yeah. And yeah. I just forgotten. I'd forgotten that's what it was like. It just it sounds different. It sounds Yeah. Well the sound is definitely yeah. shit. Um <laughs> <laughs> No, it sounded fine. It was more like I mean like yeah. just our voices sound different. I think that like yeah. uh, when we do it over Skype it's more of like a radio voice. Yeah, that's true. But like in person it's quite low key and quite laid back and there's something yeah. there's something to that. That's kinda There's cool. also a certain degree of like with an episode like that where I especially that one I did zero prep for, so it was like yeah. I mean because there's nothing to really prep. So yeah. It was similar when I had Levi on like a few months back. Did you do that in person? And, uh, yeah, we did it in person down at the bar, same thing. And it had a similar vibe where it was a lot more like laid back and chill. Because it was like, you know, I don't know. It's weird. It's different when I have like stuff prepped for an episode, you know, mm. you can just like kind of go into like, like you said, radio voice almost, which is yeah. funny. I don't know. No, but it was nice. It was a nice chat we had with Dan. Uh, maybe we could do it again someday. Um, I think mm -hmm. he'd be up for it. And I hope I hope people got kicked out of it because it's kind of something yeah, they've been asking for for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I hope people have been enjoying this silly season we've had so far as well, breaking getting the into the breaking the law stuff. Uh, I mean, I kind of was popping myself like listening back to an episode yesterday, I think, and I I was just like, man, that fucking song is great. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, we yeah, were yeah. talking about it like in last week's episode, but like I hadn't recorded it yet mm. because like we recorded that like two episodes, the first two episodes from the season, like. The week before you left or whatever yeah which is like two i had like i was just like i'm gonna do something with that <laughs> song and we were just kind of joking about it and then we start going off about like you know uh fucking judas priest and butt stuff <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah made me laugh because it made me when i was editing the episode go look up because i asked oh is rob halford gay like just inquisitively i just didn't yeah. know and he is so, oh like, there we go cool you know like <laughs> cool Fair fucks to Rob Halford um, for singing about butt stuff. And I know it's like a tough time, especially like, man, fucking in the 70s or 80s, whenever Judas Priest was at their like height in the fucking mm. metal scene. Like, ooh, yeah. it's probably the gayest of all rock music, right? So, Queen? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just meant metal's probably the gayest uh, of all rock music. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm going to say. Like, yeah, probably. Especially like glam yeah. metal and stuff. Well, know? this is the thing. Yeah, exactly. I, th I feel like the, the things that try to be the most macho tend to be the gayest. Yeah, like wrestling. Yeah. Like pro wrestling. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. Like, I, yeah, I think no, it should no, be great. more gay. Yeah. I was sitting there thinking about how, like, I love Adonis characters, like Adrian Adonis or, like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Goldust. Or, uh, what, yeah, what are the. What's the other one? Exotico. That's like the specialty in, in like uh, Spanish countries that are like, mm. you know, like uh, in Mexican wrestling in particular. Exotico wrestlers are really, really fun. Like I remember being exposed to uh, uh, Cassandra El Exotico. Like mm. I don't remember when or where I first saw Cassandra, and it, but it blew my mind. I was just like, they're amazing. And then I saw them live in person uh, at that Big Bang show. Yeah, at that show, Cassandro El Exotico, like, did some sort of dive outside and uh, on that show and, like, broke their leg like, <laughs> during the match. It was fucking mental. Look, we're past Pride Month and we're still talking about, like... I know, just feel like, I think, I think it's appropriate for this genre. kind of film. 
Oh, dude, this is the gayest film of all. <laughs> but it's so in your like, it's so like. Yeah. I wish there was a moment, and I'm sorry, I'm just like jumping a little bit. But then <laughs> I wish there was a moment. There's a bit in Speed, and I might be comparing to this film to Speed a lot. Yeah. There's a bit in Speed where uh, they're like yelling at each other, like Keanu, Dennis Hopper, and like. I forget what the what scene it is, but then on top it's like, oh, we got all the balls in the world here, man. <laughs> and that line is so good because it just cuts through the bullshit. Yeah. All this like macho talking people like, you know, like calling each other out, trying to psych each other out, like um, just insulting each other, one-upping each other. And there's so much of that in this, like every character is like that. Like from, yeah, yeah, yeah. from you know, Gary Busey to the fucking dickhead cops who keep giving them shit like just every scene is like that uh, until you meet the surfers and that's what's interesting about it but yeah i think it's appropriate we'll conver- it. it's appropriate yeah. way in into that yeah definitely yeah. into into that movie yeah uh, yeah i i think it helps that it was directed by a woman but we'll get into that as yeah. well yeah yeah <laughs> kathy well phil before we get into the bullshit uh quickly how was your your, your oh, yeah. holiday how, how uh, was it officially because you're you're actually back now you actually went you're actually back yeah 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 we're not like pretending um i'm back it was good i i love new york i love the city good people good food i'm it rinsed me dry like that shit <laughs> and like every yeah. time i go to new york and i've been a few times now i feel like it almost killed me like i got really ill right at the end of the holiday um, oh, no. just like literally the last day when we were flying out and I was just like it was just like it came over it was just like a, like 10 days of like too much fun um, yeah. but it was like we had quite a few things we wanted to do but it was like a nice again, we found a nice balance of like we're just exploring this day and then this day we'll actually go and see these things um, yeah. saw, saw a lot more Brooklyn we've been to Williamsburg but we like looked around at Dumbo and like like downtown area which is really cool a lot of thrift shops there we did Central Park. We didn't get to, last time we went. We didn't get to finish it because it was winter and freezing. So we got to finish that. Like I walked all that, saw the turtles in the turtle pond. That's great. Finally got to do Coney Island. Because again, it was oh, nice. closed. It was closed last time, but this time it's summer. Got to go. One of the few sunny days when we were there, um, and it was great. It was so much fun. Got to do the Wonder Wheel. Got a Warrior T-shirt. Tried nice. had a corn dog. Like you did it all. Did all the thing. And I did the th- and I did a thing that you know you you would have loved. American pastime. I went to a ball game. Really? What game? I went to a Yankee game because we were staying up in the Bronx. Yeah. We amazing. were we were we were literally like right by like maybe ten blocks away from Yankee Stadium. So ahead of time, we were like, let's just see if there's a game on. There was one game on while we were there. And tickets are really cheap. Like, yeah, we dude, were like in the that's crazy. Like, you, the, it doesn't really matter. Cheap. Like, you, you get a good view. Yeah. Like, because yeah. it's it's just baseball stadiums are built really well in that one, especially yeah. these newer stadiums, like the new Yankee Stadium. But the, chick- the tickets are super cheap. It's crazy. They were really cheap. We were like, we were right, we were far back. We were like at the front of the. Air, you know balcony area we were like behind home play and like it was really good fun like i don't like baseball well, you you know this about me but <laughs> i like baseball movies but it was really really enjoyable time and like they put on a show like you can never get bored there's like the anthems yeah. and then there's the fucking video like packages and then them filming the crowd and like you know it's beer and it's hot dogs and burgers and like like yankee scored like three 
three or four runs at the beginning. Mariners scored like one, and then it just stayed the same for the rest of the yeah. inning. <laughs> like it did not away, change. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was it was good. It was some some good moments. I I really enjoyed it. I'm like, oh shit, am I a baseball fan? Should we start watching baseball? We're thinking <laughs> about it. But no, it was good. Sorry, it was uh, it was a good time. I'll probably mention more shit. You know, I have fashion updates. Oh but shit! We'll, but we'll save. You that. gotta go over to Patreon.com yeah, for that the PCC podcast. Go support us over there because yeah. we do have a new episode we're gonna record as soon as we're done with this. And, and the first uh, thing I saw in New York, bro. Yeah. So you gotta hear about that and hear about fashion updates because I'm sure both of us have something to say. Uh, oh shit! Anyway, uh, well, Phil, we I'm glad you enjoyed your holiday in New York. But if it's all right with you, can we, we went to get- Trump Tower. The can, can, can we can we just do something that that motherfucker likes to do? Break the wall. Nice. Last week, we became uh, corporate stooges with uh, soul-destroying office jobs, and we got so fed up with our bosses that we decided to rob the place for fractions of pennies inspired by the plot of office space. (laughs) (laughs) However, it turns out Phil and I don't really know that much about computers, and instead of funneling fractions of pennies from transactions from the company to our bank accounts, we accidentally funneled all of our life savings into the company's bank account. (laughs) <laughs> AKA Phil spent all of his money in New York and now we're broke. So we decided to go again. to the beach and there we witnessed a couple of buff bras hanging 10, you know, getting real radical in the tubes. And, uh, <laughs> you used them all, man. You know, you know we, got, we got talking Turbular. to a couple of locals, you know, who at first they, they wanted to, you know, kick our asses for harshing yeah. their vibes. But, uh, yeah, yeah, harshing their vibes. Because we're like know. city types, you know, we come yeah, in with yeah, our dark hair. You're locals only, bro. Locals yeah, only. locals only, but shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> but when Phil pulled out some kind butter and a little shaka on the side, you know, they instantly divulged this insane bank robbing operation that included mm. mask of ex-presidents sex wax and you know a whole lot of testosterone it was really eerily you know reminiscent of a of a movie right phil what movie was that the fox and the fury no the other one no the, the other the, one the, the, the first one the, the first one. one. Oh, yeah uh, point break bruh making kids cry bruh cry, bruh <laughs> coast of Southern California, you can only surf, party, and make love for so long 
before it's time to go to work. Rock and roll! 27 banks in three years. Anything to catch the perfect wave. I'm not a crook! Patrick Swayze. Fear causes hesitation. And hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. Keanu Reeves. You think I joined the FBI to learn to surf? Point break. Adios, amigo! A string of systematic bank robberies by a daring gang of thieves known as the ex-presidents who commit their crimes wearing masks of former U.S. presidents terrorize sun-drenched Southern California as the rubber mask criminals act fast without leaving a trace right under the nose of the police. When clean-cut and inexperienced rookie FBI agent Johnny Utah, played by <laughs> Keanu Reeves, I feel like this is like Phil's first episode on the podcast. Potentially, when he guessed it, was about Keanu Reeves. I could I be wrong. So. You might have done something else before that, but that yeah, could have been you it. Definitely yeah. did a Keanu. Love Reeves me episode. some Keanu Reeves, bro. Don't even get me started. <laughs> He's paired up with the grizzled vet Angelo Papas, played by Gary Busey, who Ooh. has a theory that these robbers are surfers. So Utah goes undercover to infiltrate the local surfing community and extract information from his surf tutor, played by T- Lori Petty, who's Tyler. Before long, as Johnny gets accepted into the group, he will befriend Bodie, mm. by Patrick Swayze. Mm. All right, oh, here we go. We're into the the good stuff mystic now. and enigmatic surf leader who teaches him not only how to catch the perfect wave, but how to find a new meaning in life. Inevitably, Johnny walks a thin line with finding love with Tyler and a kindred spirit in the manipulative Bodhi. And his relationships are tested when he suspects that Bodhi and his crew are the ex-presidents. How dun, far... Dun, dun, dun. Will Johnny go without blowing his cover? It's the 1991 action crime thriller written by W. Peter Eiliff and directed by Catherine Bigelow. Hot takes out the gate, Phil. Oof. We're Point breaking break. the law. We're finally we're breaking. Doing it. We're breaking wave. <laughs> Point break. Uh, last week's episode, before we get in, I, I do need to say that we were going to try to get Ari on, but she was busy. So unfortunately, yeah. she wasn't able to join us today, but she says she'll try to come on another episode. It's, yeah, well, it's a lot, so. I was going to mention because it's like a long time coming. Yeah. Sort of, it's a long running like thing, idea or joke we've had at the on the podcast to talk about it ever since it was you and Ari because it was yeah. such a... Am I right? Because it's such a tough film to screen. It's like one of the yeah. most requested films at the cinema. Yeah, Maybe it's not one anymore, of these things people are probably like, why in the fuck do you, aren't you showing Point Break? And it's like, we dude, we of never course we would Point show Break. it. We, we would can't. show it if we could. But yeah, it's, since I've been working in the cinema, it's maybe shown one or two times. And it was only like because someone had somehow secured the rights and it's always constantly in rights issues. Uh, mm. And someone secured the rights for like a one-off screening. And then I think the rights went fucking like gone again. Like, you know, mm. so it's like, it's just impossible to show. So yeah, yeah, that's the main reason. But hot take, point break. I don't even know like what, how, what to say about it. Watching it, I'm like, <laughs> it's, 
it's great. I love Point Break, but it's always that same thing of like I I watch it. Actually, not the same thing. Watching it this time, it starts and I'm like, oh man, this is kind of maybe this isn't like aged that well. Kind of goofy. Kind of it's it's very goofy. It's very macho. It's a lot of that bullshit. But like it really slowly wins you over. It's so well done, and it's like such a well told story, and it has like really well drawn characters. And everybody, it's fucking just delicate. Mm. Keanu is great, and we've um, we've we've gotten past the point of having to defend that. He's great. He's great in this, and he does play the version of Johnny Utah very well. Lori Petty is fucking great. Like, oh, it's nice to see her like this. Yeah, yeah. Like, me and Dusty did, like, Orange is the New Black not too long ago, and she was so good on that. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's weird to go back to this sort of era. Um, and then, but, like, Patrick Swayze in the stand steals the show. It's one of my favorite Patrick Swayze performances. It's got, like, everything in it. It's got, like, the roadhouse, like, kicking guy. It's yeah. got, like, the very cool, suave, dirty dancing dude. But, like, yeah. it's got this very you know hippie sensibility like new agey like prophesizing over a fire pit on the beach you know oh man that's just beautiful you know yeah. you know and he's full of shit it's such like a such an interesting character he's so hypocritical but like you, you yeah. really buy him and you really grow you, to love him you could almost see him like it's especially like it's funny you see it a little bit more at the very end of the film when he like has his hair cut and stuff and like, yeah 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 it's suddenly patrick Brady. yeah and you like look at him you're like Man, like he could easily just be like, obviously he's not because he's like on that beach and he does want to get that most ultimate radical ride. Yeah, you know? yeah, the ultimate but, ride. But let me get one time, wave, man. He he, like has this sort of vibe about him where he you could almost see that he might just be a grifter who like is just yeah. some square dude who's pretending to be this like surfer guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, or whatever you know sure. what I mean, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, I mean, he's obviously full of shit because of his Buddhism bullshit that he's. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, I mean Gary Busey just on insane form as well. Mm. Fucking Anthony Kiedis is in this for some reason. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's really distracting. <laughs> um, but like, it—you it, just forget it's one of the most iconic action movies ever made. Like, there's so much in it that you're like had been referenced so heavily. Like, yeah, especially in that one bit that like hot fuzz is kind of ruined for me because yeah, I can't watch it. Yeah. yeah. The shooting. And he's like, Oh, could he loved him so much? Yeah. But it's so bolstered by, and it's just testament to like Catherine Bigger, like a, like filmmaker. Like she just, she got that, like, and I mean this in a really good compliment, like, like someone like, like George Lucas, when he like, maybe it's more prop to like, uh, his wife, Marsha Lucas, I think her name was. Mm. Um, who edited it like but like there's such a kinetic energy to it like every action scene is so like perfectly paced and cut and exciting and like engaging and they all stand out and there's so many good ones there's like the surfing scene like when they go out at night and surf there's the fucking sky like dive scene which I know you'll talk about it but like there's a cool story behind that as well and then there's the bank robbery scenes which are some of the cool like it's they're smart enough. like it's the gimmick man it's like dead president right like you need a gimmick to i think yeah. take you over the line to become iconic and the ex-president is one of the coolest fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah. bank robbery gimmick never like the mask and everything and it, they're all in character the whole time they all do the voices um and like that funding their like surfing escapade and cool you know they're following the wave or whatever <laughs> um but it's like i think something that hurts it like 
that they keep, and maybe could have seen it before, but did they keep that sort of away from Johnny for so long? Like they keep it at the twist and you know, kind of right away that, that, that he's looking at the wrong group, even though they're more, yeah, you know, and yeah, like, yeah. it's clearly these guys, you know, you should go for these guys and you're just sort of waiting, but then it catches up with itself so quickly because they have that chase and Bodie clocked Johnny. So mm. right away it's his game and he knows exactly what he's going to do. And that whole, the whole end sequence, it's all, it's everything, it's the whole movie in like the last half an hour. And like, I even love how it ends. Like the ending is so poetic and like in a, in a, in, yeah. in a funny way, but it, I love it. Yeah. Like it's. No, it's a great you know, ending. I'm not letting him go. You know, it's, it's yeah. a lot, it's a lot of that. No, but I, I, I really dig Point Break. It's diff- It's like a little, it's both like sillier and deeper than I remember. I mean, and that's both. exactly kind of like I had to write down this little thing when I was like thinking about it. Cause I was just like, it's, I basically wrote, it's like a film that you can't, you know, it's really hard to take seriously. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time you find yourself like gleaning a deeper meaning, like in so many of these scenes and stuff. And like, you know, it easily could have just been like this empty bullshit film, you know, with just a bunch of gunfights and explosions and blah, blah, blah. But because there was Catherine Bigelow there at the helm, like, being a woman who directed it, it just like turns it into like something a lot more elevate, you know, like yeah. I think like she really like, you know, you, you just start to see it as, as it goes along, like how it is just sort of like this weird look at toxic masculinity, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. Like, in a know, different, and, and from a different angle though, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's one of these films that does get like described as using the female gaze, mm. you know, where is it is a, uh, Inverse to like the male gaze, which obviously is the you know fucking tits and ass, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff. And um, where whereas like the female gaze, you would think it would be like, oh, it's like, oh, well, we got buff guys and blah blah blah, which you do have, but at the same time, you're showing it in a way where you know obviously that's there, the the eye candy is there, but um, you also have like female characters in the film who have agency and stuff as well. So there's like Tyler who is always kind of seen as a bit of an equal to uh, Johnny. Like she's not like, obviously she gets, you know, captured and all that sort of stuff. Sure, and, sure. And he has to go rescue her and stuff. But like when you first see them and like, you just look at the scenes and stuff and the way they're like, they're eye to eye. Most of the time, they're almost the same height. Like when mm-hmm. he goes to talk to her and stuff in the restaurant and then like, when they go down, like he goes down, she follows him and they're like eye to eye. There's a lot of that. Like it's never like, you know, there's never this power dynamic between the two. She's actually like teaching him to surf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, sure. you know, he's a loser who can't surf. Yeah, so it's like die. this really like, interesting sort of like scenario. Um, and I think like if it wasn't for Catherine Bigelow, that wouldn't exist. Yeah, I don't think you could get away with a scene where Keanu Reeves like fight the naked woman. During mm. like a drug bust, and it like, kind of gets his ass kicked. And gets his ass <laughs> like, kicked. Exactly. Gets, like anyone else, that him, would yeah. just I think that would be like un like unwatchable. Like really, yeah. like uh, uh, what do you call it? Like unnecessary. I forget the word unnecessary. You know, like um, yeah. But like it totally works when she's doing it. Yeah. The way she's shooting yeah. it, it's funny and like not gross and. It works. The whole film is so action packed and silly. Like how you know, entertaining. Obviously, like, you know, it is pretty silly. It's a fun, f- 
fun film. I don't remember when I first saw this film, but I've always liked it. It's really fun. I mean, mm. I love, th- I love the. I, I would never go surfing because I just I know I wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, but <laughs> no, not Jaws. Just I wouldn't be able to push my fat ass up on. <laughs> but I like the idea of it. I love it. It's beautiful. I like to watch it. So yeah, it's like, yeah. You know, it's pleasing, um, but at the same time, like just this heist story that's just really exciting like yeah. a cat and mouse story like you know where this police officer is trying to find you know his criminals and stuff and he's like going undercover and there's like multiple people who are deep undercover in this film and you know it's just like a really interesting story oh, yeah and you get yeah, yeah. fun bank robbery scenes like you know like two or three of them uh and then you get i i think the one thing that i watching it this time Cause I, you know, obviously watching it for this kind of like trying to be objective about it. I would say the one thing I didn't like about it this time through, cause it is slight, it felt slightly long. It's a, um, bit, it's a little you, long, it's a little long in the two. When you, it, for me, I would have only had one skydive scene. I think that like, obviously like. Not I'm the no, one at the end. Well, I would have had the one at the end maybe, but. But the one in the end, Maybe the one I in the middle, it's kind of beautiful, right? It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, I get, I get yeah. but it, it, it's more of like, a, there's a lot of kind of like, you could argue like gratuitous use, that was the word I was searching for, of just like mm. shocked of guys surfing, because it looks cool, yeah. but it adds to this dreamy, like moody yeah. feel of it, of this thing that uh, Bodhi is trying to convey. So I think you need the, yeah. like, the thing you're trying to show Johnny, but you're right. It's a, it goes on for a while. <laughs> yeah, the first jump scene is very important to like for really for it, it to push him over the edge to like his to win him over. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's that whole sort of play of like because by that point he knows and Johnny knows that he knows, but no, neither one of them have like and they know he knows the fact knows. that they know. You, yeah, you know, you're waiting for they, the shoe to drop. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't like with the anything. with the parachute pack. It's like no, nah, you don't want this one. Yeah, nah, yeah, yeah. Take this one. Yeah, and he knows that they know, and yeah, it's it like him. it's a whole thing. And like you know, and he jumps out, and then there's the whole thing at the very end of it where he goes down, and he reveals, okay, now I have to show you something, and he shows yeah. that they've kidnapped. Oh, I hate violence, Johnny. Yeah. I really do. So, yeah, so it's it's a it's an interesting sort of thing. I get, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I think it's just because that scene is so great. And it's almost like you're doing it again. I think mm. that was something about it. But the ending's great. Like so, oh, like the whole him ending j- of jumping out diving. and him jumping because you can't so bad do that, dude. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's, I'm, it's I'm maybe, maybe I would. It yeah, caught me I, in a funny space where I was just like, oh, this I'd, feels long. I'd cut but. this other gang out. You know what I mean? I would just have it more. He'd go, you know, because it's such a side thing. And I yeah. get it. Could he kind of lose in? He's not paying attention. He's not like concentrating. He's like losing touch. You know, he's not in his heart. Not mm. in the police work anymore. And it's like it's really starting to show. But I really like that. I like that. It's a perfect movie for this season as well because it like you know the film does a good job of like breaking down. They're not just adrenaline junkies. They are searching for like true like freedom or like the human spirit. Right. That's the thing is that they want to show yeah. that the human spirit still alive and like fight the establishment, fight the capitalist fucking dictatorship or whatever. We, we surf and we brought bank for those like people driving on the freeway in their fucking tin coffins or whatever. So, but th- <laughs> so there's an interesting thing here about like why these men, these kinds of men do what they do. 
yeah. for multiple, you know, there, 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 there are people there who are just violent, you know, like Roadley, right? That's the whole thing. And then they're the young, impressionable ones just sort of following along. And then there's Bodhi, who's like a believer in the court, and some are there just to get ripped, you know, just to fucking party. And so that's actually really interesting in having Keanu Reeves like coming, come in. And like, it's always a good cop movie. It's always a good crime movie where you're kind of like torn, where you're like, you're mm. not just, yeah, but these dudes, they're bad. It's like, I kind of like these guys. Like, I, you know, I kind of yeah. wish you wouldn't. I wish there was a way out of it. But then they push, they keep pushing it. Like, you know, keep making it more and more interesting and exciting. And Bodhi knows he's he got kind of like a death wish, right? You know, it's like bringing Keanu in and then like going for the vault and like really, really like pushing his luck and just like wanting to live on the edge because anything else is just death to him. Right. Yeah. And that's just, I find that shit really fascinating and that the film does that stuff quite well. Definitely. And like, hence why I like the ending because it feels like with Utah, I feel like I've seen him going to go through a change. He doesn't just go back to being a cop. And I like that. I think that, you know, gives even more significance to the story and lets it have, Let's do it both ways. And yeah, I don't know. It just, you know, and they didn't stretch it out to a franchise for 10 fucking movies. You know? Yeah. Oh, well. And they drove down s- a straight line. Speaking of which. <laughs> just Obviously. Saying, you know, I, I, I give it shit, but like in an ideal world, that is how I prefer things in terms of like, if you're going to steal an idea, just don't, please just don't remake shit over and over again. No, no, how dude. About you take this idea, first, flip it, and then. The first sorry, Fast and the Furious is fucking amazing like uh you know it's great it's, good. it's a really good film yeah it's a good way and, and it's better I agree. than the point break remake i, I really <laughs> i agree 100 percent that that's how they should do it if they're gonna like sort of remake something just like just do a new film just like but like taken off of the the skeleton of it and just kind of like do you mm. do a new thing with it where it's of course the same film but you're just kind of like it feels different um but yeah. i i did have to bring this out i felt like it was only you know, perfect to resurrect uh, in honor of Ari not being here. Um, but I did this on the very first Fast and Furious episode where I pulled out the uh, point break in Fast and Furious flow chart. So he wants, <laughs> wants to uh, question here, like, are you watching point break or are you watching Fast and Furious? So I need you to go along with me, okay? Okay, I got you. Is the hero a puckish young FBI agent? Yes. Does he deduce that extreme sportsmen are responsible for a rash of crimes? <laughs> yes. Does he track them by going undercover to take part in said sport? <laughs> yes, he does. Does he initially target the wrong set of criminals? Yes. Does he fall in love with the waitress in the villain's circle? Yes. Does he bond with the main criminal over shrimp in a beach restaurant? no it sort of does though oh, in the yeah. sense of like he goes to a restaurant and orders shrimp at a beach restaurant. he does they it's order the shrimp exact, in fast and furious it's the exact fucking same restaurant really oh my yeah, god so the they know what they're doing same thing the exact restaurant and he orders shrimp at that restaurant yeah um, yes he does well one of the people orders shrimp in the fast and furious and i think like <laughs> It's a, we'll, it's get a nod. To it. we'll get to like what Brian orders. <laughs> Does the gang blow his cover and then coerce him into helping with one last job? Yes. Does it go badly wrong with half of the gang getting badly wounded? Yeah. Oh, yes. And killed even. 
After this bloodbath, does the hero let the villain go free at the end like some massive idiot? <laughs> I mean, that's debatable, but yes. Is it Vin Diesel in it? No. Okay, you're watching Point Break. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, I mean, to be fair, though, when I was watching this film, I like had this weird sense of like, holy shit. I never really thought about this before, but point break. Now we we've been through the fucking ringer with fast and furious. And we know everybody knows it yeah. fucking just definitely ripped it off. You know, mm. they even sort of admitted to it. Like, yeah, we kind of ripped off point break. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was reading a magazine about like car racing and stuff, underground car racing. So that's what Rob Cohen did. And fuck Rob Cohen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I was sitting there like watching it the other night and I was just like, dude, I never thought about this before, but Point Break, like they always talk about Fast and Furious like as a ripoff of Point Break, but Point Break feels like it owes a lot to the Lost Boys. Like it's insane. Interesting. Like you have this Interesting. fucking side thing. For sure. And instead it's got of it being be, these surfers, this fucking vampires, man. Yeah, you yeah, have that yeah. one character who becomes part of one uh, part of them but doesn't really want to be a part of them and yeah, there's the yeah, yeah. girl there's like you know he's trying to get her out and like you know she's the, living on the edge and dude all, it's pretty it's mental no, it's not like full blown but like no it's there man just it's like a lot this, of vibes. this adds like the cop sort of dynamic to it but part and like obviously ages them up a bit but like no that's yeah. that's that's pretty on a note I never really um thought that but yeah a lot of uh Lost Boys Mad Lost Boy vibe. Again, like like everything, all roads lead back to Joe Schumacher. <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's a genius. Fucking he's genius. a genius. <laughs> well, the idea of Point Break was developed in the mid-80s by director and screenwriter Rich King, who would go on to co-produce the film and receive a story credit. King arrived at the idea for the film after he read a piece in the LA Weekly. So similar, you know, fucking Point, point Break, Fast and Furious, my motherfucking... Uh, piece of shit guy Rob Cohen <laughs> was reading some magazine shit about street racing and ripped off this film. And you know, I'm sure Rich King was watching Insane. Lost Boys and it's ripping off real life. Yeah, Lost, I was watching <laughs> Lost Boys and reading the article. And guess what? <laughs> no, but he read this piece in LA Weekly about how Los Angeles was the bank rob- bank robbery capital of the United States. Uh, as King re- relayed to Hidden Films in 2013. He was at the beach, fresh out of a, out of the water from a surf lesson, with uh, the piece in his hand, and he began to think up of an idea of a gang of surfers who rob banks to fuel their fun, and an FBI agent that is a good athlete who goes undercover as a surfer to take them down. So this was like the earliest germ of Point Break, and from there, King shared the idea with aspiring screenwriter W. Peter Eiliff, who was waiting tables at the time to write the script for about six thousand dollars. Nyliff came up with the idea to have the robbers dress as ex-presidents and their leader to be like a Zen Buddhist type character. So that was like all him. Then the film came close to production in 1986 with Ridley Scott attached to direct. In this version, Matthew Broderick, Johnny Depp, Val Kilmer, and Charlie Sheen were all being considered to play Johnny Utah. (laughs) Rich King said that he he spent as much in pre-production as I spend on a film talking about um, Ridley Scott mm. and then decided not to do it. Iliff recalls that the crew had spent five months building sets, tearing it all down in one day after Scott pulled out. 
So it was close. It was going to actually happen. But then for whatever reason, really Scott, I couldn't really find why he pulled out, but the movie languished in obscurity until it got in the hands of James Cameron, who thought it would be a good idea and a good project for his then wife, Catherine Bigelow to make for her fourth film. So James Cameron served as executive producer. And according to Cameron, when principal photography was approaching, Bigelow was not happy with the shooting script, so Cameron stepped in and wrote a final uncredited draft that juiced up the action with his patented equation of climax following climax. So, (laughs) yeah, and fortunately, James Cameron had also given Carlico Pictures, you know, his word that he'd have Terminator 2 Judgment Day script ready from a formal announcement at Cannes in May 1990. So, basically, he, he was up all night drinking coffee he finished point break and then he like went and plunged into a marathon 36 hour rush to finish terminator 2 just ca- yeah just casually like you know you know pulling out to like the greatest action script never written but whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool so Cameron said in 1991, I did a considerable amount of writing on the shooting draft of the script with Catherine even though we haven't received credit, which is an issue that I have at the Writers Guild. Mm. She basically is 100% responsible for the final film that point on. And I mean, I made a few phone calls, but I was kind of busy myself. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's crazy, though. Like, I, I actually didn't know that. Like, I knew Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron were married at a point, but like, yeah. I didn't know that, you know, he had such a big, important role in writing the final shooting draft yeah shooting script for this what a power couple (laughs) at that time right like one two in point break one two in fucking t2 that's insane nuts man yeah james cameron was like a like attached to some funny people back in the day man like because obviously we talked about like you know brian de palma a lot and how (laughs) they both were married to gail and heard for a bit like yeah yeah. each separately and like like she's pretty big and i mean she's gonna be in the cinema soon um, oh, she? Yeah, with Alex Winter with his new film. The oh, YouTube for the effect. YouTube effect. She's going to be there. Cool. So, yeah. It's crazy, man. But anyway, go out to see that. PrinceCharlesCinema.com. Get your tickets. See Alex Winter. Another, mm. like, I mean, come on. It's Keanu, he was it's in The fitting. Lost Boys. It's Keanu's, Keanu's pal. He was <laughs> yeah. in The Lost Boys. Yeah. I mean, come on. It'll work. Uh, Point Break was originally called Johnny Utah when Keanu Reeves was cast in the title role. The studio like, felt that the title said very little about surfing. Yeah, and by the time, terrible. and he made like Johnny Mnemonic, right? Like that before, <laughs> yeah. or after, like that's. Just I guess it would have been after, but yeah. I, I think. But yeah, and then by the time Patrick Swayze was cast, the film had been renamed "Writers on the Storm" after the song by the Doors. Sure, sure. However, the Jim Morrison's lyrics, like it had nothing to do with the film, so that title was also rejected. And then it was not ha- until halfway through filming that Point Break became the film's title because of its relevance to surfing. Yeah, and they so, say it. They say it a few times in the yeah. movie. Yeah, it makes sense too. It's sort of like the idea of like the Point Break obviously being like where that break of the fucking wave or whatever mm. for you to go catch it or whatever. But it's also like it makes sense with the film in terms of like, you know, his breaking point, you know, for Keanu Reeves, like, pushing over the edge to like mm. go get his man as well. And the whole blurring the lines and like what it will be for you to be a man and blah, 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 yeah. and be your own person and all that sort of stuff. If you want to, th- again, that's what I'm saying. Like you could start reading into these scenes a little bit more than you, you probably should. Me too. But then, yeah. Yeah. 
uh, anyway, we have Keanu Reeves as Johnny Utah. Prior to Keanu Reeves casting being cast as uh, Johnny Utah, whose name is inspired by the American football legends Joe Montana and also our guest Johnny Unitas, who is uh, they do reference in the film as a joke because uh, was it like Gary Busey who's like they got me with this kid wasn't even like Johnny Unitas or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and he's standing right there. <laughs> but yeah i think it's mostly joe joe montana that they're really riffing on um because mm. i mean that's a silly name in itself but yeah <laughs> but they still had charlie sheen and johnny depp and matthew broderick being mentioned as possibilities for this role charlie but, sheen i could see yeah the other no not the much matthew yeah, broderick i could not see surfing yeah not at all inspector gadget on a fucking surfboard no nah. It would make sense Johnny Depp, but not Matthew Broderick. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of wrong. Like Matthew Broderick would just be like some asshole like who works in the office who's just talking shit. Yeah, he could be know? one of the cops. Yeah. Yeah. But that wouldn't have been big enough for him, I guess, at that mm. time because he still was like a, still kind of a star. Like, you, you know, it's weird. Like Matthew Broderick's obviously like a star, but like there was that sort of period of time where he had a moment. And it sort of just fell off like in the mid nineties, you know? Yeah. He's still in shit before election stuff. Yeah. 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 Bigelow though. She, she was just really big on Keanu Reeves and she insisted that she would be able to turn him into an action star. And she was fucking right. She was fucking right, dude. Like that. Like I always point to this is 1991, right? Yeah. This might be the best year any actor ever had. Keanu had in 91 had point break Bill and Ted bogus journey. Mm-hmm. And my own private Idaho. Yeah. Three completely different, brilliant films, all yeah, on their definitely. own. And he, like, the fucking range on that dude to be able to do all that. And, like, he's perfect for this. He just, like, flows so seamlessly between, like, the cocky fucking FBI kid who's, like, very well trained, very disciplined, like, shades of John Wick at the beginning, right? Where he's, like, do, 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 like, doing all the gun course and stuff. Like then the thumbs up. I wanted to do shaka bit the thumbs yeah, up. Yeah, that fucking meme though. Yeah, thumbs up. Like yeah, but then he can do, but he can do like the whole surfer bro thing, which I think he was like about to be pigeonholed at because of Bill and Ted, and it's like funny yeah. to like comment on it and have him like be playing that, like as a joke, yeah, but like him being really good at that at the same time. Him like, doing it. Don't move, bro. <laughs> I did also think it was really funny yeah like those scenes like yeah, where he's so doing that could the of, face drop so yeah good. him doing it kind of like as a joke where he's he's bigging that shit up as a laugh and yeah. uh, you know also like to pretend that he's the surfer guy like oh man you got yeah. it was a huge bug like yeah you know like saved your life but, man <laughs> but he's sort of like doing it and it's almost like he's making fun of these surfers but at the same time you're kind of like laughing because you're like shut the fuck up Keanu you were doing that you do that yeah, same shit like it's not very yeah. far from you as a person yeah yeah it, it's films, subtle, especially your early career <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But it's no, like I, it, it feels I like very Keanu, much him man. growing up yeah it's like him the next step and like all like making almost like making fun of that yeah. thing that he's known for yeah but he's a mega, oh, like one of the greatest action stars to ever live. And like, this is just the beginning of that. And it's one, it's still one of his best, but like, yeah. I'm glad she took a chance on him and saw that. Cause he's great. Like I love, like some of my favorite Keanu, I, I think he's great in like really intense situations. 
when he's mm. like yelling, like when he's yelling at Bodhi on the plane, like like you know, sort of begging a, begging him to like let Tyler go. Like that stuff is great. And then moments yeah. like that in Speed as well, where like Dennis Hopper like has the money and he still won't let Sandy B go, and he's just like just losing his shit. He's just like just take the money and walk, you know. Yeah. And like yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of moments like that here. Like when he sees the video, he like grips up. Patrick Sadie and it's so good. They're really good together, those two as well. I I probably talk about I don't know. I feel like I talk about this film a lot, but like Miss Your Baseball wants Miss to come out and just talk about fucking hardball, dude. Like he's great. Oh, in that dude, movie. I love hardball. Like I, I feel like we just need to go like on a we should dive do and just do a bunch of Keanu films. Just do a Keanu podcast. We should, uh, yeah. <laughs> like I don't know, like he yeah. Cause we did the Brennan, like the Brennan Fraser thing, and like yeah. the Keanu thing kind of happened, like he's in the thing. Would have yeah. been good to do, like I don't know, maybe if they do. But another. you know, if you go, if you go like early, just go back to the beginning and just start mm. like plotting through all of his films, like you know, some just good really stuff. some fun stuff. Yeah, you start with Youngblood, and you go from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reeves described his character as a total control freak, and the ocean beats him up and challenges him, and after a while everything becomes a game and he becomes as immoral as a criminal and he loses the difference between right and wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this is great. I, I like that as like, you know, cause we were sort of talking about that. Just like a, yeah. The arc of a, the, this film and next week's film are really good in that sense of like, like the, like, cause the previous two films, I mean, like obviously office space was a bit more of a joke, but like the, but like Dog Day Afternoon was more about the criminal themselves. Yeah, nothing. You know, whereas this is like a bit more of like, you know, more about the, the guy chasing the criminal. Yeah, but seeing that you get a little bit. It. But then next week, we get like both. So it's nice to be transitioning into that and you kind of get mm. all of it. Like it's nice to see it from all different angles, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really uh, interesting. Like just that change that Keanu Reeves' character takes, like Johnny Utah takes yeah. in this film. I appreciate that there is a change. It's not a return yeah. to normalcy. You know, it's like it reminded me of Stein, you mm. know, and you know, the worst thing you could do to a man is, you know, challenge his faith. <laughs> you, know, you know, and Bodhi challenges Johnny Utah's faith in the law. Mm. Yeah. He doesn't get it back at the end. It's broken. It doesn't yeah. mean it. He it's breaks like him. He turns him into like a machine that needs to catch this guy. And when he's done, he's done. He's done. He just needs to finish it. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. I really love that. Well, with uh, Reeves as Utah, he needed a bad guy that he would chase. And with that, he found one in his former co-star from his first feature film role from the 1986 hockey drama that Phil just name-checked, Youngblood. And that would Good be movie. Mr. Patrick Swayze as Bodie, a.k.a. And I swear this is the first time I ever caught Lori Petty refer to him and say that, like, oh, we we call they call him the Bodhisattva. Uh, yeah, and I was yeah, just yeah. like, what? Like, that's, that's I don't stupid. know why I never caught that before. But that's a person who is able to reach Nirvana, but delays doing so through compassion for suffering beings or in this case, a person who is not able to reach nirvana but delays in doing so because he is too busy getting radical and searching for the <laughs> wave. These bullshit like beach <laughs> names, like when he fucking when when you you target jumped. By yeah, the other that's game. my favorite. And shit. He's, yeah, and he's war child. Like, yeah, he's like back off, war child. Seriously, and it's <laughs> yeah. just like, oh my god, war child. Angela, what the 
fuck. Yeah, between this and uh, you ain't tough if you're making people call you that. You know, it only yeah. worked in the Warriors, not here. Yeah, well, it's that hippie bullshit. It's like between this and like uh, the Lost Boys, and then also a bit of like that Always Sunny thing, where like Dennis pretends to be like a hippie and down with the oh, you yeah, know, yeah, buys yeah. his fish T-shirt and has his kind bud so that he can like basically s- screw that girl and fuck that dude over just because he wronged him it's like yeah, a whole it's just like the a whole elaborate plot revenge yeah. thing and it's so behind the like it doesn't even matter it's on the like edge but then also funny enough you get riders on the stone like <laughs> playing in the background of that scene so it all comes together it's all fucking like weirdly succinct point break <laughs> um but yeah there's there's uh there's those names that they have, I think, in that episode as well, where they're really stupid. And me and Julia are always laughing about that. And we just like have our own like fake, like I think I I did just Nick Warchild. We have our fake hippie characters that we like talk to each other in stupid voices sometimes. And I think I called her Rain and she like <laughs> called me Warchild and stuff. And I'm gonna call you Warchild when you come into work. <laughs> <laughs> Warchild. It's I'm so funny, child. man. Rain and Warchild and all these oh, so stupid. Yeah. Uh it's great. But uh, Patrick Swayze read the script and he was immediately like enamored by the Bodhi character. Uh, he it was a character whose spirituality reflected in his own, and then he both sh- like thought that they both shared that wild man edge. Mm. Um, he was at the height of his stardom at the time, and he even though he was like best known for films like Dirty Dancing and stuff, and he had done action films like Roadhouse and Red Dawn, he was like more of a you know his physique is more wiry like a dancer and stuff like Mm. he's thin and stuff and it works perfectly for a surfer but he didn't fit that 80s you know action star mold like arnold or a sly so like and then also he was too fit to pass as like the bruce willis everyman kind of guy so he was relegated to like sort of b-tier action movies and then a-list romantic dramas so oh yeah, yeah. This pl- basically plucked him out fresh off of Ghost, which basically solidified his swoony screen presence, and Dang. you know, so he was able to bring star power to the cast, like of basically otherwise little known actors. Like for instance, Lori Petty is Tyler Ann Endicott. Like she obviously had was what what year was A League of Their Own? Would that have been like the year after? Maybe I think so. or two years after or something. It was, it was close, very close. Um, but she, you know, obviously wasn't huge. And then she would do after 92. Yeah. She would do tank girl. And we mentioned like a few months ago, I guess a couple of months ago that she was supposed to be in demolition man, but she like basically got fired. And I don't know if that Mm. ruined her career a little bit. And after that, she sort of like just, I don't know. She's great. Lori mm-hmm. Petty is awesome. Like, it's really funny. My own headcanon, just because I'm fucking, I don't know, I'm a sicko. I was sitting <laughs> here, like, thinking about how, uh, like, Tyler is the same girl from <laughs> stupid Free Willy. Like, she basically, she uses her, like, water skills and everything to, like, <laughs> break away and just go into like well training and stuff and gets really into that. Like while, uh, you know, Johnny Utah's off trying to find and chase down. Like, cause this is years, like the ending is years later. It's supposed to be yeah. years later. 
Like obviously they shot it later because they wanted the hair, you know, the hair to grow out and and all that. But like you know, in my head, he's all like he's talking about he's in Mexico searching for this motherfucker. He's like mm-hmm. flying all over the place, going all over the place. Apparently Australia at the very end. Uh, he said he lost him in Fiji, so he's traveling around the world. Meanwhile. Tyler, what is she doing? She's, you know, maybe still liking the surfing and stuff. She does it on the side, but, you know, she's got to get serious and stuff because this really, like, fucked with her fucking zen or whatever. I don't (laughs) know. And she became a well trainer, and then she got sort of, like, tagged up with this stupid kid and Free Willy, and they had to Free Willy. You know, it's the same character, man. I'm telling you. That could work, man. That could work. I'm telling you. Sicko headcanon right here. <laughs> 90s movie Sicko. That's me. They're all the same. Yeah. That's funny. Well, Rick King recalled that Johnny Utah's love interest was actually bit meant to be more of a traditional surfer chick in the script. Uh, he said after auditioning dozens of young blonde actresses for the parts, the producer saw Lori Petty and she just quickly became like Catherine Bigelow's choice. She kind of wanted to cast someone who's a little bit more athletic than, you know, the typical beach babe. And also there's something like about her just having that sort of similar look to Keanu, like just thinking they kind of match really well with her. They're dark a good hair couple. His dark yeah. hair, just sort of like, yeah. When they're going through like her data, the database or whatever, it was really funny where Johnny's trying to figure out like, her information he's checking her license plate and stuff and figuring out stuff about her so that he can use it to like basically win her over he uh he he it's revealed that her birthday is the 27th of november which happens to be the same day as Catherine bigelow's but it's revealed that she was born in 1974 which would have made her 17 in the summer of 1991 so Fucking 25-year-old Johnny Utah has more problems to deal with than accidentally <sighs> bank robbing, yeah. you know. That dude go into jail. <laughs> <laughs> God, man. That would be so funny if they, like, arresting him. Well and they're like, what are you arresting me for? I'm trying to stop these bad guys. Is it because, like, I look like I'm a part of this bank robbery? He's like, no, actually, that no. chick you've been messing around with is only 17. <laughs> <laughs> 17, bro. <laughs> But she runs her own restaurant. Seventeen. <laughs> that sounds like uh, a Beach Boy song. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out it's actually a Beatles song. Ah. Dude, there is a weird album later, like when fucking uh, what's his face, Brian Wilson's like completely lost his nut, you know, where he's like been let. To have creative control over the album again and it was like i think one of the last ones that he had like sort of full like creative say and but they didn't have like a, a lyricist because like a lot of those early like beach boys albums that are fucking brilliant have like a really awesome like lyricist involved who's helping like craft lyrics that actually make sense um because brian wilson's like just crazy <laughs> there's like this one later album I was like introduced to recently and like dude it is fucking nuts like there's songs where it's literally just like about watching girls roller skating and stuff and it like it just seems like he's talking about underage girls on the beach and it's fucking gross it's really weird <laughs> you're definitely definitely doing that and then there's like a song where it's like he I guess he's talking about like a, a daughter or something like but it's just like pick you up Pat your bottom, pat pat pat. 
I am not lying. Like, go look this shit I up. I can't, I can't remember what album it is. It's sometime, I think, in the 80s or late 70s or something. But it's literally like lyrics are like, pat, 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 pat your bum. Pat, pat. <laughs> it's just. This is, this is the man. This is why. This is. Phil, you want to know why there's no Beach Boys in this? That's why. That's why. People hadn't come full circle on the genius of Brian Wilson yet. Yeah, it was they just like that like, dude oh. making weird stuff about bum padding and vegetables. Yeah, yeah. Like, what's going on? <laughs> Two months before filming, Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, and Lori Petty were all trained with uh, trained by like world-class professional surfer Dennis Jarvis. War child, of, <laughs> War child, Dennis Jarvis. War child, Dennis Jarvis. They did this on the island of Kauai in Hawaii. And Jarvis remembers that Patrick said he had been on a board a couple of times. Keanu definitely had not surfed before. And Lori had never been in the ocean in her life. Wow. <laughs> New experience for everyone. Yeah. So Patrick Swayze liked to do his own stunts. And yeah. rather that involved <laughs> fighting or driving, uh, Swayze did his own skydiving. He apparently made 55 jumps during production. Whoa, really? However, I did read a conflicting report of this. So here we go. I don't know what's true. Because <laughs> I did read <laughs> that find out. apparently he participated like in skydiving as a hobby. And I don't know if it was because of this film he like did maybe like a skydive or something like because of the film and then loved it and just like wanted to do it all the time mm-hmm. oh, or he was, already- he was already doing it as a hobby, but he was told to stop for insurance purposes once production began mm-hmm. and producers coaxed him into agreement with the promise of letting him do one actual skydive on screen. And that would be basically the final scene where there's the uncut shot of Bodhi yelling adios amigo. And he falls oh, out of the plane. <laughs> that, that shot is so cool, man. And that's actually Swayze doing the jump as well. Yeah. Like that's him doing yeah. it. Oh, yeah. No bullshit there. Tom Cruise ain't got shit on Patrick Tate, man. <laughs> Unbeknownst to uh, producers, though, when he, was, when he wasn't on the day's call sheet, Swayze apparently would go out and run to the airport and go skydiving anyway. <laughs> <laughs> according to that story so i don't know what's yeah. true i don't know if he did make like 55 jumps or if he yeah yeah well this in the story the story i knew was essentially that that yeah producers like i don't know whether he was into skydiving before or after but yeah that he liked doing his own thing and they didn't for insurance purposes they wouldn't let the actors like actually do the stuff because you can see like Keanu's not really doing it, right? He's like clearly on yep. like a stage and they're blowing air on it. Yeah. And stuff. But the story I heard once was that the that middle bit, the skydiving scene, where just Wadey and the ex president, like, or a couple of them, like, you know, flowing around doing, you know, doing tricks and stuff, rolling in the air, that was something he did without the producer's permission. And then they just thought like the footage was so good that they had to use it. But I don't, <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know how true that was. The story Maybe. I knew was like he Maybe. just took a camera crew and he's like, "Fuck them, we're gonna do this because we wanted to make it look fucking real." And it does sell a lot of that sequence. So anytime yeah. you cut to a close up where they're clearly not, this is amazing, you know, yeah. and they're not skydiving. But if you can yeah. cut to somebody 
from afar or like a group of stunt. I think because some of the it real, right? With the stunt guy. Yeah. All holding hands. I think there's some real Patrick Kennedy stuff in yeah, there. Yeah. Well, but I'm not no, sure. I'm not really I could sure. Be totally like, wrong. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, po- it's possible he did that. Like, he apparently was just really into it. I mean, he, he was like, like famously like known for having a pilot's license and also having a couple of famous crashes as well. And they weren't his fault either. Like, you know, there's just like issues with the plane or something, you know, um, Mm. he like once had a crash and people thought he was really drunk and stuff because when he got out of the plane and he was hobbling and stuff and like bystanders thought he was drunk and it turned out he, there was like a leak or something and like, uh, and he was inhaling like carbon monoxide and basically it was like poisoning himself. And like when he crashed and he got out, he, appeared to be drunk but there was no like evidence that he had drank, yeah, drunk yeah he was being so, like gas yeah. poisoned <laughs> yeah so it's just not like and yeah apparently he had like another crash because the plane that he was using there was some fault with it and he he and his wife ended up uh selling it and getting us a, a different plane but he still would fly so he was definitely mm. into this shit and he was an adrenaline junkie and stuff and mm. um but yeah i mean it's like crazy. He was taken because of cancer, you know, like, so yeah, of all things, oh, yeah. man, I mean, he was like great. he was great. We've done this with Donnie Darko, but like it's a dude and even a star, obviously like huge, mm-hmm. but like as an actor, I feel like never got the props. Yeah, definitely. Like definitely. he get, like he, he, he makes someone like, like a character like Bodhi just so much more believable than, and more interesting than I think another actor would do. Right. Like yeah. I can't, yeah. Yeah. I he mean, the same thing with so that Donnie Darko character. Credit. It's like, exactly. yeah, yeah, definitely. But according to Gary Busey, Patrick Swayze was so nuts about skydiving that he actually badgered him until he gave in and agreed to go with him after they filmed. So <laughs> to, to be a fly on the wall. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Patrick Swayze. I mean, like, Gary you want to talk about someone's crazy. Gary Busey. Yeah, oh, oh, Gary Busey. Oh, Buddy Holly yeah. fame, your favorite. Yeah. He's fucking crazy, man. Yeah, right, right around the corner there. Right around the corner, they got, they got a, they, they do a, they like a meatball. Them, like, give me two, give me two. <laughs> How did that become like the biggest fucking quote in this film as well? It's like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Swayze did his own surfing stunts as well, which led to him like cracking four of his ribs. He injured himself a couple of times while preparing for and while shooting the movie. First, he cracked ribs while he was learning to surf. Then he busted up his knee, which was an injury that made it swell so much that a doctor had to drain fluid from it each night. Oh, dude. We'll get into more weird injuries and things next week. Holy shit. Okay. Just keep an eye out on Val Kilmer. I'll just go ahead and say that. The accident prone Val Kilmer. Okay. Just keep an eye out on Val Kilmer in next week's movie. And this is a bit of a, you know, you know, if you're following along, I don't know if we've said what next week's is, but we'll say at the end, but this is a, a little hint, but the Island of Dr. Moreau. (laughs) I just had to get out. Yeah. Crime classic, the Island of Dr. Moreau. Um, yeah, so anyway, apparently the one scene Swayze had a stunt double for was the chase scene when Keanu is going after him and he catches him, you know, when he's wearing the mask, yeah, leading the scene of the robbery and he still has a Ronald Reagan mask on. I I figured they got made a stunt guy do that. Well, the reason why it wasn't because like 
he didn't want to do the scene or anything. It was because Swayze was actually in Europe at the time while he was promoting Ghost. So oh, they, had, funny. they had a stunt double do it. And he only saw the scene after the film was finished. And he said he was glad to have missed out on it. <laughs> uh, a lot of running, a lot of jumping. Yeah. As Dennis Jarvis said, Keanu didn't have any surfing experience, but he did take it up as a hobby after filming. So what that motherfucker stuffed. Another thing he didn't have much experience with was uh, football. Since Johnny Utah was meant to be this college football star, they had US- UCLA c- head coach Rick Neuheisel serve as Keanu Reeves' football mentor, and he even went to like UCLA to practice and train or whatever. And oh yeah, could they fucking play football on? The yeah, beach? they play football. Yeah, and you notice weird. It. that feels like a Top Gun thing. Yeah, you know well, what I mean. I but think that's not- the idea. It is meant to be this sort of like weird Top Gun esque scene. Yeah, but like, it but way adds, better. <laughs> yeah, it's better. Yeah, because Top Gun has that scene where it feels like the female gaze in the sense of just like hot guys playing football, you know, playing uh, volleyball. volleyball. Whereas Point Break has it, and it's that's one of those scenes where I said it feels like you're. I read. I'm reading too much into it, but it is like exactly what that that scene's doing. You have that whole thing of like. These are two guys who are like kind of figuring each other out. And mm. at some point, you know, he figures out who, who Johnny is. He's like, oh, you're mm. Johnny Utah. Like you're yeah. the fucking Johnny Utah. Cause he has a reveal yeah. at the end when everybody's like freaking out about how hard Keanu was going in that last run. And he tackles him into the sea and they're like, dude, what the fuck, man? Yeah. And then like, you know, and then he's just like, ease up, ease up. Don't you know who yeah. this is? This is Johnny Utah. Oh shit, UCLA. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it's like yeah, this hilarious sort of bullshit. But like uh, but yeah, it's it's that whole scene, that sequence of like, you know, that's the first like cat and mouse chase. And he's like, yeah. I gotta get him, man. And he doesn't even know that he's the guy he's chasing, but it's something about the energy <laughs> of this older guy who's like, you know, an alpha and he's like, I gotta be an alpha too. And I gotta like take him down because yeah. I'm fucking Johnny Utah. I actually am like someone who should have been a pro football player and I'm going to fucking mm. take him down. And it's like a great fucking sequence, but yeah, it, I don't know. No, it, no, it's great. I think you could keep, you could keep reading into it. Could again, yeah. the, the examination when you, the benefit of having like, again, like a female director doing that, that you get to pull back a bit and you're like, you're seeing almost the ridiculousness of the situation. Like yeah, again, you yeah, guys yeah. figuring out, like a guy don't talk to each other, how they figure each other out mm. is by constantly challenging each other yeah. through games, through violence, through tricks, through, you know, all these things. And like, and then finding the commonality and this mutual respect. And, and it's like, Oh, it's fucking Johnny Utah. And everybody's like, Oh man, sorry, man. Everybody, there's like a respect automatic respect that you should have for this dude who, you know, a football player. And like, it doesn't even, it shouldn't mean much to them, but like it does. And that's the beginning, at least like a way in. Yeah. And same thing later, like that level that he earned his respect when he like beats up Anthony Keaton. I'm just going to keep saying that. (laughs) And he's just like, I saw you back there, man. You held your own. You want to come back to my place to have a party? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's it's slow like that. And that, I just find that. Yeah. Interesting. There's all, all that stuff. How, how they, yeah. How they chase each other. Like, you yeah. Said, cat and mouth, all the versions of it. All that stuff is sort of like, you know, you're, interesting. You bringing it up about like guys and not knowing how to like 
because they don't talk to each other and just like mm. that that is so perfectly put just like it's constantly having an eye on someone else yeah i mean even like i don't feel like i have like toxic tendencies but like even just as a guy it's weirdly wired in you that you do shit like that and you kind of have to check yourself but like you like you do find yourself like doing these things where you're looking at other people and you're looking at Mm. other men and just seeing how they're interacting with you know the environment and how you feel like your place should be in that environment with them and stuff and like it's like this is all there and that and it's really interesting that like you don't get to see that that much especially like in a hollywood movie where it's just masked in you know like being this stupid action film you know like but you don't really get that's the sort of difference i think with fast and the furious because it sort of loses track of like what it actually was all about and it became this Mm, weird family bullshit about family you know like it's fucking stupid but the original film like without it knowing because it was just ripping this film off it was doing a very similar sort of thing because there's a lot of the challenging and all that sort of stuff and it's really yeah, stupid it's about male you know? friendship yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. sort of that's what i mean like that's why i thought of as soon as they were gone one that passed away yeah and they'll bring it back somehow but like that's that was my ending i was yeah. like i just i, I never <laughs> yeah. needed to you know yeah. just like i never needed to go past that like i was like that that feels very fitting yeah um and obviously there's stuff to enjoy and the stuff could it, it's become a different thing. Obviously. I love those films because of they're just stupid, but at the same time, they don't have a real good, like, you know, even the early films have a really good handle of like male relationships. You mm. know, it's, it's just like, it's not from a perspective of like someone who's actually like, dissecting this which i think is what i think Catherine bigelow does in this film sort of dissects mm-hmm. it a little bit if you just kind of sit back and s- and not think about all the adrenaline bullshit that they like they're basically like you know hijacking you know the story with like these adrenaline things that ch- try to get you focused in on it and like you know it's it's like they wouldn't be able to make this film if they didn't have it you know what i mean like ho- like mm-hmm. a hollywood studio wouldn't put out a film that's like analyzing men especially in the 90s like in 1991 (coughs) analyzing Mm -hmm. men's relationship with each other and like on a level of like you know actually just how they behave and like their toxic behaviors and shit they wouldn't do it without it being like a fucking adrenaline action fucking action movie yeah but like it's 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 brilliant man like again fucking i feel am i reading too much into this (laughs) but anyway Keanu Reeves, regardless of him having all this, uh, you know, training with this UCLA like head coach, he was apparently just really hopeless and he could not throw the football. Could throw a ball for and shit. Catherine Bigelow had to have someone else launch the balls because, like, basically he just couldn't complete any of the passes. So, like, that's why those shots are all really tight and it just doesn't look like he's actually throwing the ball re- really far. I don't know if you like. I noticed it when I was watching it. And I was just like, these are funny cuts. And now that I read that, I was like, oh, now that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. That cut makes sense. But it's sort of those things you don't really, you could watch it and not even catch that it has funny cuts mm-hmm. in that scene. So it doesn't really matter. But Gary Busey plays Angelo Papas. So obviously with that name, Angelo Papas, the original story creator, Rick King revealed that the character was actually supposed to be Greek. And he said there was all this stuff about his cooking and and I wish they would have been able to play it through more a little more, but it was hard to sell Gary Busey as Greek. 
I think we got we get enough of that. We get enough there. of Jerry okay? Busey. And of course, yeah. what we get in terms of food is the man wanted, as you said, two meatball solved. Utah, give me two. Snack time. <laughs> There's something about that look you gave to me. I know you only need one thing. It's snack time. In the morning. It's snack time. In the evening. It's snack time. If I hadn't, if I hadn't got something, you know, I the, the my snack is something pre, I already had planned. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would, I would have got a meatball sub, but angry, very angry. Subway, don't do the meat with meatball. Do, oh anymore, no. Oh yeah, you were I talking about love. that. I think like months I'm, ago. I'm still annoyed. <laughs> still I'm still annoyed, annoyed dude. I'm still uh, annoyed because that was like my sandwich. Though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry. Go Brilliant. ahead. Well, I yeah. actually did not get a meatball sub. I just thought okay, it was good. a good way to tee it up. Bad. But yeah. I did get what Keanu got instead of the meatball sub. Shrimp? No. And he not in that scene. He doesn't get a shrimp. Okay, so Oh yeah, what did he get? Okay, so Lemonade. Fast and the Furious <laughs> and uh Point Break have the scene inside of the restaurant. The same, literally, it's the same restaurant. It's like Neptune something, Neptune's Catch or something like that. It's a real restaurant. The it, It's the exact same place. So in that scene in the restaurant, they both have shrimp or something, I think. But maybe in that scene, potentially, no, it's like, no, because Paul Walker keeps going back to the restaurant because he's like, he's into um, mm. Mia Toretto. And he always asks about the tuna. In Point Big Break, tuna. Keanu goes to get the two meatball subs, but he orders a tuna on wheat, whereas Paul Walker orders a tuna on white because he's white boy. Because he's a white boy. He's a Rick. white boy. So <laughs> I have a tuna on wheat. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. What's up? Quiet snack. Good sandwich. Mm-hmm. Can't beat a good sandwich, can you? It's great. I'm not big on tuna. I like tuna. It's healthy. Funny. It's cheap. Yeah. Sure. You can dress it up like a, you know, got pickle on it. I got rocket. Yeah. We got some tomato. You like a do you like a tuna pasta? Do you ever have it like that? Yeah, it's alright. It's oh, alright. Yeah. Alright. Tuna on wheat. <laughs> How Very many? <laughs> got a mouthful of tuna. Mm-hmm. Share some. You gotta give some to Stevie. Um, Already did when I was making it. I, I had to open up a can. She ate that shit quick. She was all about <laughs> it. She was really, really excited. <laughs> how many? How many shakas are you gonna give it? Oh, perfect. Uh, uh, <laughs> You know what? I give it a solid four shakas, brah. Four shakas, brah. It's good. It's not good for now. It's not a good snack for now. 
<laughs> now you just Especially not in a movie because you're not supposed to be eating sandwiches like that inside the cinema. Mm. Stinky. Mm. But um Stinky. But it's cold, so technically we'd allow it. It's really good. Um to even be as simple as it is. Got some mayo on there. It's good, man. Um nice. yeah, it's right. solid. It's four four shaka bras. Four shaka bras. <laughs> what would you get? I got so I was in New York, as you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking, you know, I think I did this last time when I was in Greece or something, where I was like, I'm going to get a snack for the snack time, you know, the, lots of great options in America, lots of candy, lots of chips, you know, whatever you want. But I saw this, it was immediate, I was like, perfect. This, I've never tried this, like, perfect snack for this season. It could fit with any film in this season, to be fair. Because what are the ex-presidents looking for? What are they robbing banks for? They want that payday. Oh, yeah. Proper American Have you had one candy of these? bar. Yeah, back in the day. It was a very, payday, nutty, bro. A very nutty it, candy bar, which is really it good. It sounds great. Chocolatey mm-hmm. covered peanut caramel bar. Mm-hmm. I like all of those words. I, I do like a payday. They're pretty good. You can occasionally get them in the UK. I feel like I used to see them potentially at Tesco in the American section sometimes, but they kind of really reduce their American section in Tesco's. Look at that. Big turd. It looks really good. Yeah, just a big turd of a thing. (laughs) All those nuts. Okay. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Mm. Mm -mm. Now they're kind of like similar to like a, is it a picnic bar, right? Because like that's chocolate and peanuts and stuff. It looks a lot like it, um, but got the caramel in there as well. Yeah, it's, oh. it, you know, there's not puffed rice. That's sort of the difference. I think there's a bit more nougat and like biscuity puff rice inside of a picnic bar, but they're very similar candy bars. It's really good. Mm. It's really good. You know, they have in in the U.S. I thought they just like they just fucking went mental with their recent cup, man. <laughs> yeah, they've got like loads of variations of the recent cup where they're just filled with stuff. Mm-hmm. And the one we had was recent puff filled recent cup. Reese's puff. Now I've heard and of Reese's pieces. Thick though. dude. <laughs> nah, it was thick dude. And the one I wanted to try, I didn't try it though. It had potato chips in the recent cup. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh man, I just love it. I would get so fucking fat in America. They should do like fatter in America. They should do Reese's like many Reese's cups inside of Reese's cups. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a breadcrumb episode. <laughs> you know, dude, I wish we still did bread um, breadcrumb because I saw something online the other day, which I was like, that'd be such a funny conversation on breadcrumb. I'll well, tell you about it. We can try it out. <laughs> resurrect. Yeah, one more. For I did resurrect it and, uh, like, you know, a few weeks ago in, in the middle of an mm. episode. So, um, well, how, so good, man. how many, how many gunshots in the air? Cause you're so angry. Cause you love them so much. Who's <laughs> <laughs> a Hershey bar? Two weeks later, I'm still eating Hershey technically. <laughs> um, five. The five, five. Bro. 
in everything, in everything I like in a chocolate bar. Yeah, I love without it being too messy. I really like peanuts in a chocolate Me bar. Me too. They're really good. Me too. Love it. Big fan. I know a lot of people don't like that, but you know, I don't like it. I'm kind of into it. I like it. I like um, it. Gary Busey is fucking hilarious in this movie. Do you think he wears the coolest fucking shirts, but the worst fucking trousers? <laughs> Do you think then this running joke of, um, I was still doing this before, you know, you were doing this. Mm-hmm. That's like a running joke he had, you know, you know, I was picking up bad guys while you were still sucking on your mother's teeth. Mm-hmm. Do you think that like, he like that with him? Like he like made them like put that in a contract that he had to have these lines or that he was like improvising them. Cause there's so many, and yeah. they're just really weird. It just feels like Gary Busey. They don't. They don't quite make sense. It just feels like something Gary Busey just said. Yeah, you know, maybe like he's one of the, he's the oldest person stere- in this film. Yeah, he's like the stock stereotype, like old guy partner. Four days like, from retirement. Yeah, yeah. But because he's Gary Busey and he's just fucking crazy, there's something about it that's just so watchable. <laughs> I don't no, know. that's what I'm. That, no, yeah. that, that's absolutely true. Again, yeah. that's a stock character. Anyone else playing it, you don't even remember. Yeah. But Gary Busey adds another layer. All these, everybody in the cast adds extra layers to their characters, and it really buffs out the film and makes yeah. it feel more alive. You know, just those scenes of him on like the radio and stuff, and like shouting at Johnny during the fight and stuff, mm-hmm. and just like running across the street, and it's just like. It's like, ah, you see, a dog? <laughs> you see a dog? It's like two kids just stole something and they come running by here and they stole my car radio. He's like, have you seen them? He's like, nah, I would have loved to I think have some seen guy that down there, you know, <laughs> so funny. I would have loved to have seen that payoff because Gabby, he does it so quick. He like completely dropped, you know, he, he has the excuse like ready to go. Mm-hmm. Right. It'd be nice. It would have been cool to see Bodie see him later. And Cluck here that he was a cup too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been cool. The guy you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned him uh, talking shit about using the words of things like, oh, I was, you know, doing this back when you were sucking your mama's teeth. Yeah. Was yeah. from last week back again, John C. McGinley as FBI director oh, yeah. Ben Harp. It was weird how like two weeks in a row. Yeah, what the odds? We had this like John C. McGinley, and it's not going to end there. Not that he's in the next film, but someone in this film is in the next film, and we'll get to that in a second. But like, I yeah, think it'd be like just, another Scrub alumni. No, we but the janitor. We've yeah, the, that's true. Yeah, the janitor. Kong. Yeah, uh, it's just it's no, it's just like the fact that they're in the film. Like you know, it's these mm. weird connections. Like you have John C. McGinley in Office Space, and then he's in this week's, uh, you know, in Point Break. Oh wait, and then we I get someone. We get someone in a bit. In I'll get. I'll get to in a bit who's going to be next week as well. So it's crazy. Uh, the rest of the ex presidents gang was made up of James Lagrosse's Roach and the surfers turned actors, but Jesse Chris- Christopher and Gr- who played Gromit, which in surfer term basically kind of means like a young guy. Uh, mm-hmm. And then John Pilbin as Nathaniel. So John Pilbin, who played, he played that geeky dude who inexplicably was hanging out with the punkers in Return of the Living Dead. Like, he, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. he's he's a legit surfer, and he would go on to serve as a surf instructor on the film Blue Crush. 
but he also just got into acting in the 80s so he just like was an actor and a surfer and he would do surfing stuff i don't know if you've seen blue crush but it's a good like no. sort of come around back to like talking about fast and furious because uh what's her face is in it um michelle rodriguez <laughs> blue crush is like a solid little movie pretty good okay it's it's All a right. female surfing film and it's mostly like most of the cast are are women but yeah it's a solid little movie i could be wrong it might be shit but like i remember liking <laughs> it back in the day so bo jesse christopher he actually appears in the point break remake as an fbi agent so these two guys they did their own surfing stunts as well um Bodie and his gang, you know, being notable for wearing the rubber mask of the ex-U.S. presidents when they robbed the banks. The actual mask in question represent, so you have Lyndon Baines Johnson, LBJ, whatever, Richard Nixon, Jimmy Carter, and Ronald Reagan. And then they have a, you know, basically like them die in chronological order or be, being picked off like the guys oh, really? of the the presidents that they like in order of when they were president, which is pretty interesting. Not the nice touch. I didn't think of that. Oh, Jesse Christopher and John Pilbin, like I said, they did their own surfing while surfers, Matt Archibald and Dino, uh, Dino and Dino, <laughs> Dino and <laughs> Dino subbed in for Patrick Swayze and James LaGrosse during surfing montages. And mm-hmm. for Bodie's final wave, big wave writer Derek Dorner doubled as Swayze, who apparently Patrick Swayze took a lot of his, like, he, I guess, met this guy and just really took a lot of him for his character. For Bodie? Yeah, apparently he's, That's like, cool. you know, being this big wave surfer and stuff, he's, like, pretty fucking zen and is into <laughs> all this shit and just, like, I guess he hung out with him a bit. But anyway, like, he intentionally dove off his board during that final scene to just make it look like he was going down forever. It's such a great yeah. shot. Like, you could it's only do shot. that with a real fucking pro surfer or else, like, a stuntman Someone can't die. do that. They're going to die. Like, you know, and also they wouldn't make it look as good. You know, like, mm. you need someone who could actually do that. I mean, obviously, they today they would just CGI that shit. But, like, yeah. it, were, it looks so cool just being, like, a real guy just taking a big fucking dive it's like oh yeah that's great did you ever see the remake no i no i to be honest i kind of forgot that it was 2015 no it felt like it was a lot longer than that if you asked I, yeah. me without knowing i would have said 2010 really yeah yeah like it feels that long ago i can't no, believe I, it's only 2015 i remember it coming out and like vi- having like a visceral reaction to it i think me and my brother were watching the trailer we we're like both like Fuck off. Like, no. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm done with it. I had been burnt too many times as well yeah. with the remake. Like, it was like Total Recall and Robocop, and it was like all <laughs> of them were the same. They yeah. were all like, they had this running thing of like, let's take everything you like about the original and just take it out. And mm-hmm. we just make the most generic, like, dark thriller we could think of that just called the thing that you used to like. But yeah, it didn't. Didn't look good. They, I think they swapped out. I think surfing was still a part of it, but I think they did. I think the gimmick was like the the extreme sports were different. It was like they were, you know, like jumping off mountains and stuff. What, what do you call yeah. it? Like base jumping or whatever. Base jumping, yeah. Yeah. That know. shit. Fuck no. Yeah. No. I think I just saw it and I was just like, but why? 
But why? Why would you remake it? Like, why <laughs> remake care. a film that like still holds up well? Yeah, we make bad movies. Yeah, true. Yeah, the other surf gang. Obviously, you have surf Nazis must die. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vincent Klein plays Lupton Warchild Pittman. You have Chris Peterson playing Bunker Weiss. Do you, wait, wait then, do you think that Warchild guy like got? Uh, I feel like you've given me like Momoa. Vibes or like he reminded me of someone, maybe a wrestler. I could not put my finger on it. I just wanted to ask you if he reminded you of anyone. Um, maybe like one of the like, uh, like he has um, like Jay Uso vibes, maybe. Yeah, he got the <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might be one of the Uso. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, that was just uh, bothering me when I was watching it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, of course, we have Red Hot Chili Peppers. Anthony Kiedis is Tone, which fucking is just so fucking funny. So funny, shoot himself in the foot. And yeah. Trying to pull a flea. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Flea's, like, known for being in films and stuff, and it's just yeah. weird that it was Kiedis in this. Um, but, yeah, apparently he was, the f- you know, being the front man for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, he was very busy and he didn't show up for rehearsals for the fight choreography or if, if it wasn't busy, he just was a rock star and he just didn't feel like coming in. So that's why they had him get punched out immediately on the, fight <laughs> on, the on the beach. And then you just had that one pickup shot where he's like, which reveals to, yeah, uh, Gary Busey. To he runs off Gary Busey. Yeah. Cause he sees him like fall out from the bush and then he gets up and goes back in behind the bush. Um, but yeah, you, you, he doesn't really do much. And apparently that was because he didn't show up for the choreography. So they had him get punched out and then stunt coordinator Glenn Wilder said that Kiedis wasn't too happy about this. So he showed up and tried harder on subsequent days to avoid being the sacrificial lamb. Mm. So I guess you get to see him do a little bit more later, but he does shoot himself in the foot. I think the funniest thing he does in this film is like literally him laying on the bed with his feet crossed and just like oh fucking, my god fucking pumped up like Who listening to whatever music just like yeah. oh, oh. <laughs> like, you know, just, like so fucking radical this music i'm such a nazi who fucked a girl who's underage oh. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of that going on maybe they were like they were writing in that as a joke on ketis like they knew although he didn't reveal until years later that he like had sex with like a 14 year old when he was an adult and he kept doing it after he even found out that she was 14. Oh, uh, I didn't. He, okay. Yeah. I didn't Anthony know that. Kiedis right. revealed that in his fucking book. Oh, I never so, read the yeah. book. God tissue. Uh, yeah. So he's, he's running through a bit of the weird one, man. a bit of problems. Yeah. But I mean, it, to be honest, like every one of those fucking old rock stars. Yeah. Iggy pop. Jimmy uh, Page. And Jimmy Page, David Bowie. All those fucking guys. Pete Townsend? All sleeping with underage. And Pete Townsend had fucking... Pete Townsend, why did we just let that go? porn on his computer. Why did we just let that go? I was just looking up something. I was doing research. I was researching a book. Fuck off. Fuck you. Piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. And then finally, the the fourth member of this surf Nazi must die gang uh, is Tom... I will not suck you, and I will not be sucked on by you, Sizemore, as deep undercover agent, DEA agent, Deets, and he's uncredited. He's brilliant, man. I Tom, Tom Sizemore, every time he pops up, he's brilliant. 
I want you to crack me up like a coconut. <laughs> Sorry. We could slip in the back. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> to Tom Sizemore, man. God, yeah. he's so fucking great. Okay, so Phil, I know you haven't seen next week's film, but Tom Sizemore Did, I figured is in next it, week's film. Yeah. He that also, is who I was it, referencing earlier. He's also in a film I picked for us later, which I don't think you've seen. Okay. It's cool. in the middle bit. No, it's, All in right. the, yeah, it's in the third bit of the season. So we can play a game of who appears most in, in this season without us like really noticing. So far, so far we've got uh, John C. McGinley twice. Twice, yeah. Uh, we'll have time, Tom Sizemore twice. Um, Al Pacino will be twice next really? week. Yes, already. Yeah, fuck. I forgot. Two different people, man. Young Al Pacino, yeah. old Al Pacino. <laughs> two different people. I'm going to have so much fun. Yeah. All right, let's get into the soundtrack. We already mentioned we can fucking rat. <laughs> rat, nobody rides for free. Apparently that was written for this movie. Uh, it was, yeah, like Stephen Canton or something like that did it. And then they rat recorded it and changed up some of the stuff. But like, yeah. It's a very like of that style soundtrack. Like I was kind of joking about earlier, it's it's pre grunge. Like grunge really hasn't hit mm-hmm. yet, so you have this weird like heavy rock, borderline metal, like yeah, but also stuff, like yeah. slightly like that tubular style. Like you know, you can imagine this being over like surf compilations in the early '90s, like style of music. You know, you get some concrete blonde. I want you. You get School of Fish by Rose Colored Glasses, <laughs> Public Image LTD by yeah. uh, you get Criminal, uh, and then you get Westworld, So Long Cowboy, Little Caesar, Down the Wire, LA Guns, Over the Edge. So it's all this sort of like shit that kind of sounds like that. Then you get like Ice T, OG Original Gangsters <laughs> on this soundtrack. And then a couple of cool little tracks. We get obviously the Jimi Hendrix experience if six was nine. Oh, six yeah. Songs. We get uh, another number song, uh, Love 7 and 7 Is, is on the soundtrack as well. And then another numbers song, uh, Sheryl Crow's Hundreds of Tears is on the soundtrack as well, which is actually a really nice song. I was listening yeah, to the then, soundtrack. I was like, this yeah. song kind of rules. I think it's in one of those like love scenes, you know, obviously between uh, uh, Keanu Reeves and Lori Petty at some point. I remember hearing it in the background. Uh, so parts of Point Break were shot on Lake Powell in Utah, Wheeler and uh, Ecola State Park in Oregon, and Malibu, Manhattan Beach, Santa Monica, Venice, and Fox Hills Mall in California. The film's final scene, though, it was shot around six months after the rest of the film's production, and that's why the characters have different hair from the rest of the film. Reeves had grown out his hair for the Bill and Ted sequel. And Swayze had cut his hair to shoot the film City of Joy. Although the final scene of the film is set at Bells Beach, Victoria, Australia, the scene was actually filmed at Indian Beach in Ecola State Park. So that's located in uh, Cannon Beach, Oregon. So did not go to Australia at all. Too expensive. Too many spiders. I mean, like, how fucking crazy are those waves, though? They're insane. It's a death trap, right? It's like, it, yeah. that's the whole point. It's like, nobody, nobody's going out there. Nobody's going in. You must be fucking crazy. How do they shoot that? Thing. How do they shoot that final scene, though? 
I was just kind of thinking about it. This is pre like, they, CGI really down. being a thing. Well, you have you have they have like yeah. sh- they shoot like the crazy massive wave, and but like the they one do it in perspective on, where it looks like it yeah, looks like it's then, bigger than it actually is. Yeah, exactly. And then the one he's riding probably isn't that big. It's quite close as well when they do it. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's quite. I think they do a lot to just put you there like the crushing rain around it like everything yeah. is just soaking and heavy and the wind is blowing and like yeah 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 it's well um, done i mean Catherine bigelow really did a well lot of done. stuff where i think she was like in the water a lot and she really wanted to like be in the water with them and then like you know she'll call cut and then she'll just dive off her board out of the frame you know it, and, like, yeah it really it call, to, call action sorry um, dude it goes a long way like i don't even know if the scene is in the ocean or if it's just in a tank or something but then that scene after they do like their night swimming night surfing shit and it's just Keanu and um, Laurie Petty left in the water I think yeah. it's when they first yeah, yeah, kiss yeah. I think yeah, and she's, and like she, she's fucking freezing yeah. man and yeah, her lips are like real. Uh, yeah and like is, there, is she just really cold is she acting I'm like I just go the long way for me you know it's like yeah. seeing somebody's breath when it's cold like it just yeah looked, that looked like a legit great. like chatter like she her. looked really cold it felt really bad yeah. for her um but no i, I love that ending yeah it shot the wall and it does that thing which i really like um in action movies or in any movie um the metal gear solid game not good at doing this um for as big and crazy and absurd as it gets it ends really small it mm. ends with a fight on the beach yeah just two guys and i really like that i really like you, you know if you're able to distill the whole thing into a moment like that i think it could be very powerful and then him like yeah putting the cuff on him and and then like them coming to a compromise it's brilliant and just and it's yeah. such a rare kind of ending for that kind of movie you know like the movie that you were saying patrick Tainty wouldn't be up for the big action movie it'd be the good guy throwing the bad guy out a window or like blowing yeah, him up yeah, in a yeah. helicopter it's a diehard movie mm. pretty much um so this had like a more nuanced ending and yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah. really and it stands it it really worked and it stands very much like it, it was shot later and it was made later like it stands like almost like an epilogue to the rest of the film yeah it, yeah it worked really it's like well a- it's a game of chess too. It's like someone knowing they're being beat, so they take a dive. You know. Yeah, yeah, and it reminds me of how Die Hard Three should have ended. <laughs> yeah, definitely. right. It sounds like the alternative yeah. ending, yeah. which is just way better, yeah, yeah, more yeah, like yeah. such a great ending. Yeah. yeah, it's a shame that didn't exist except for like in special features. Before we wrap up, I I did want to say because like obviously we're doing this as a crime season. And mm-hmm. the actual crimes that these guys are committing are these bank robberies. And it's a little bit different, obviously, than, uh, you know, Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, Al Pacino's character obviously, like, goes into the bank and he feels like he has this sort of plan. Mm-hmm. but And he's clearly smart and stuff, but it's like he's not seasoned enough. It's like these guys are – it's weird. It's like to to, like – kind of think about it in terms of the way serial killers are the like you know the first kill is always often considered to be like really messy and just really Mm. chaotic and it's just like they don't have it figured out yet and then once they get better and better at it they're like really methodical and they can go it's like a formula yeah so it's similar to this where these guys are serial bank robbers and they like are so good at it and one of the big things that they do that like saves them 
and it becomes their downfall is they avoid going into the vault. They just they get just the tills. Small, yeah. small crime, mm. get the tills. In a 90 and second window. Get the fuck out. Yeah. And they basically get away with it so many times, but they fuck up in that final time because they decide to go for the vault. Yeah. There's an undercover cop there who's all oh, whatever, who that... gets involved and they all get shot up and it just turns into a fucking mess. So uh, I, I wanted to bring that up, obviously, because we're charting like crime in these films. So and also we were trying to give people tips of how they can get away with said crimes. So uh, <coughs> obviously, you know, stick small, small potatoes, stick, stick small, stick to a time and have a case, you know, case your joint properly and have yeah. a getaway car ready. Yes. You know. It shouldn't Keanu be in jail by the end of this movie as well? Sorry. Yeah, like how does he like still have a badge? Like what? Yeah, at all because he's like, meant to be cleaning. He's arrested. He's he arrested yeah. after that, and yeah. then Gary Busey helped him like go rogue just so mm. they can like sort of catch the guy. Yeah, and they didn't. And they didn't. So like, <laughs> yeah. it's like no. And Gary Busey gets killed, and you're so it's even to worse. Yeah, like yeah, it's just Keanu being like, yeah. This, uh, trust so how me, does this? Cool. How does this happen? They didn't get the money or the main guy. So. Yeah. I don't and he know. convinced the whole department to follow this guy around the world. I was. Why didn't you about just this. wait? Yeah. Why didn't you just wait until it's like he's gonna be here next summer? Let's just wait. Yeah. I just like I don't know, man. I. I definitely like just kind of felt like that was one thing that I was thinking about that is kind of silly about this film that doesn't make sense. But at the same time, you're giving yourself a false impression of taking this film a little too seriously <laughs> because of like stuff we were talking about earlier. And yeah. then, it, then you do have to just be like, yeah, but it's fucking point break. Yeah, point, break. <laughs> point break was released in July of 1991 july 12th to be exact the same weekend as boys in the hood which there were scenes in this film that felt so much like boys in the hood especially when they were chasing around like um in the streets in la and stuff yeah, and yeah, that yeah foot chase sure. and stuff through alleys and shit like looks so much like boys in the hood and they felt like they're shooting in the same locations like uh anyway i can't say enough good things about boys in the hood i fucking love Great that film. film so good um, and it grossed $8.5 million sitting behind the top dog in the second week coming full circle, James Cameron's Terminator 2 Judgment Day. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, like it's a good fucking time in that household, man. Like James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow still married at the time nearing mm. the end of their relationship, but still married at the time. And they had a great, great fucking time Two yeah, great, very yeah. big films coming out. With a budget of $24 million, the film went on to make $43.2 million in the North American market and $40.3 million internationally for a worldwide total of $83.5 million. Not too bad. Not, Not too, too bad shabby. at all. The film had pretty mixed reviews with critics, with the consensus being that it was absurd and over the top, but it was wildly entertaining. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times gave the film three and a half stars out of four and wrote Bigelow is an interesting director for this material. She is interested in the ways her characters live dangerously for philosophical reasons. They aren't men of action, but men of thought who choose action in a way of expressing their beliefs. Mm. New York Times, Janet Maslin praised Keanu Reeves' performance. A lot of snap comes surprisingly from Mr. Reeves, who displays considerable discipline and range. 
He moves easily between the button-down demeanor that suits a police procedural story and the loose jointed manner of this comic roles. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting because this would be like early days with Keanu. Yeah. And still. it really would have just been like people would have been viewing him as Ted. Yeah, the and guy like, from Bill and Ted. Yeah. Yeah. Still. Um, and like, yet, yeah, like you said, it's kind of pre my own private Idaho and stuff. So it's like, you know, people hadn't really seen his range yet. Um, so this was them seeing his range, which is pretty crazy. Uh, the Washington post, Hal Hinton wrote a lot of what Bigelow puts up on the screen bypasses the brain altogether. Smooth brain. Here we go. Plugging <laughs> directly into our viscera, our gut, the surfing scenes in particular are ma- majestically powerful, even awe inspiring. Bigelow's picture is a feast for the eyes. But we watch movies with more than our eyes. She seduces us, then asks us to be bimbos. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And Rolling Stones' Peter Travers wrote, Bigelow can't keep the film from drowning in a sea of surf speak, but without her, Point Break would be no more than an excuse to ogle at pretty boys in wetsuits. That's a pretty good like That's fair. That's idea fair, yeah. what this is. Yeah. So let's talk about the legacy of this film. Obviously, like, you know, it's been fucking remade who gives a shit <coughs> so it was remade in 2015 that was the second remake because uh, yeah. obviously rob cohen and Neil h moritz remade it with fast and furious 2001 but point break you know it's guess like despite it's one of those weird things where it made a decent amount of money but it's also kind of like in that term of cult classic like you know it's a cult classic yeah um rolling stone called point break the greatest female gaze action movie ever citing the <laughs> bodily condition of reason swayze calling it west it's calling it a wet Western. The film is also referenced constantly in film and media. So you get like, obviously you said hot fuzz, but then you also get like the Marvel cinematic universe, like, you know, with Tony Stark referring to Thor's point break throughout the series. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's good. I remember that. The, the One of the more interesting things I thought, and I think this is way more interesting than the making of fucking, you know, remake is that there was this, cult theater thing called point break live in which the role of Johnny Utah is played by an audience member chosen by popular acclaim after a brief audition. So it's like every show would be a new Keanu and they would read all of his lines or like, you know, this person would read all of Keanu's lines from a cue card during the duration of shows. And that would just, allow them to capture like the rawness of a Keanu Reeves performance. And you know, it, it's like, I guess even supposed to like, you know, help out people who are incapable of acting. It would like, you know, they could just kind of fit into this because it's, yeah, Keanu. Yeah. it's like, it, it's sort of like, I'm not saying like anybody could do Keanu, obviously not, but like he has that sort of quality where anybody can kind of step in, I think. And it's sort of this <laughs> interesting sort of thing. Because sure, especially in sure. early Keanu rule. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. And apparently in 2013, Gary Busey attended a performance and played Did they pick himself. Him? Oh, I funny. If, I think he might have played himself. I think. That would be funny. And then yeah. also apparently, apparently Lori Petty also turned up to participate <laughs> one time. So That's it sounds like a fucking laugh, man. Yeah. It sounds great. Yeah. Wait, wait, point, point break. That's it. I mean. 
We this broke film's, it. This film's fucking great, though. It's fun. Like, I was it's sitting great. there watching it's ridiculous, it. It's ridiculous, but it's fucking silly. Great. It's fucking stupid, but it's like a great fucking it. time. And I still yeah. stand by 2001's Fast and the Furious, that remake that it is. Uh, <laughs> that, that, the formula like, works, right? It's a the real good fucking film. Strong. Yeah. It, it's like a sh- it became like a shorthand, right? Like, yeah. Jawed, like Die Hard, like. No, not Alien. Alien and Jawed. Jordan's face, but yeah. like you know, you know, you say that thing. But, it's like a diehard yeah, on a bus. Speed is diehard on a bus, yeah. And this yeah, is Jordan, yeah. but in space, and it's like Point Break, but with cars. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it yeah. became that. It's like a new. Yeah. It's like yeah, it really etched itself. Even if that had been sort of done before, it really left a mark. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Phil, next week. Whoa, we're gonna be cranking up the. Turning that heat up, boy. Oh, on our crime spree. And yeah. what I can only guarantee will probably be a mamma jamma of an episode. I mean, this kind of had a little bit of extra link to it, mainly because we were catching up a little bit and talking shit at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it'd be really impossible for us not to like kind of go all out next week. We're going to be pulling out the horse's head. We're going to be talking <laughs> conspiracies. We're going to be diving into like failed TV pilots. And we're going to be talking about the man who made Miami, Miami, with the final part Will of Smith. crime wave of breaking the law with Michael Mann's heat. heat that's right. Melissa McCarthy, Sandra Bullock, <laughs> the heat. The heat. The heat, right? Michael Mann's the heat. Right? That's, that's the one we're doing, right? Uh, no. Oh. 